0: I once read of one of the largest freshwater turtles, known as the alligator snapping turtle. These turtles are found mostly in the southeastern United States and are known to weigh up to 250 pounds. Now, while their diet is primarily made up of other fish, Uh, They have been known to eat almost anything else that they can find in the water. In some cases, even alligators, baby alligators. Now, one of the interesting things about the snapping turtle is that it depends on a deceitful method of hunting. You see, the turtle lies still on the floor of a lake or of a river with its mouth wide open. And at the end of the turtle's tongue is a small pink worm-shaped appendage. Now the turtle wiggles the end of its tongue with its mouth wide open so that it looks like a worm moving through the water. And when fish come near, they see the tongue thinking it's a worm. And when they come to eat, the turtle drops its jaw closing it tightly, trapping the fish so that it cannot escape. Now, similar to the snapping turtle's lure, temptation presents itself as something desirable, but it, is, but it always carries destruction with it in the end. If we could see the end result first of any temptation, rather than only the tempting part, it would be much easier to fight against it. James, this morning, wants us to beware of the danger of temptation and its deceit. So he takes time to warn us of the source of temptation and the process of it, which leads to death. This morning, we, come to, we, come, we continue our, our sermon series in the letter of James. And in previous weeks, we looked at the theme of testing in the Christian life. And having spent some time looking at external trials... Today, we focus on internal temptations. Now, this is an important topic for Christians to be familiarized with because it's something that happens to all believers. And while it's more common to talk about the external trials that we face in life, such as illnesses and difficult relationships with neighbors, uh, losing your job, or getting your house broken into, Christians oftentimes have a difficult time opening up and even a more challenging time understanding why we continue to have evil thoughts, desires uh, in our hearts to do wicked things. One thing is certain though, Christians must be active in their battle against temptation because we are not immune to it. So if you're a Christian, you have been enlisted In a war against sin, and that requires you to put it to death, to turn from it, and to abandon it. But in order to do that, you must know your enemy. You must understand what it is, how it operates, so that you're able to overcome it with God's help. So, if you're taking notes, our main point answers the question how should Christians respond to temptation? And our main point is this, Christian, respond to temptation by recognizing its source, its nature, and its end. Respond to temptation by recognizing its source, its nature, and its end. We'll now read the passage found in James chapter 1 verses 13 through 15. James begins this section by letting us know that temptation, is something that we ought to expect in the Christian walk. You see it there in verse 13, where it says, Let no one say when he is tempted. This goes against some theologies of sanctification that teach that Christians never sin. This kind of theology is founded on texts such as 1 John 5.18, which says, We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who is born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. Now, this particular passage refers to habitual sin in the life of the believer. But folks who understand it to mean that Christians don't sin anymore misunderstand the text which then leads them to use synonyms for sin, such as mistakes or flaws whenever they disobey God. But James says, when one is tempted, temptation is a certainty. Now, the word tempted here in verse 13 is the same word in verse 2 that's used in verse 2 for trials, which means to test. And as we've already seen, God is the one who brings about trials or tests in our life. And He does so for the purpose of growing us, so that we would be like Christ. So that we would be mature, complete, and lacking in nothing. God has good purposes in the tests that He allows in our lives. However, in our passage, the testing... Is negative. It goes off into a temptation that leads to sin. We know this by the context and the descriptions that we find in our passage. And we notice words such as evil desires and sin, as you can see there in verse, verses 14 and 15. Now, what exactly is temptation? To understand it, we have to understand what the purpose of man is. That is, God created men and women for His glory. In other words, we were created to glorify God. That is our purpose. Glorifying God is done by knowing Him and relating to Him rightly. And it involves doing His will By obeying him. Now, if this is what man's purpose is, then temptation can be understood to be an enticement to rebel against God by seeking our will over God's will. It can be seen as or understood as an enticement to rebel against God by seeking our will over God's will, which is evil. Now to this James says, Christian, respond to temptation by recognizing its source, and we do this first by. Uh, we do this first by never accusing God of tempting us because He is not its source. We must never accuse God because He is not its source. We see that in verse thirteen. Now, do you know that we're really good at blame shifting? It's something that is in all of us. For example, have you ever been called out for being harsh with your words? And instead of owning up to it, maybe you've said something like, stop being so sensitive. Or how about responding to your spouse sarcastically? You justify your actions by saying, well, she deserved it. It's her fault. Many even take a step further and blame God for sin. And this is something that actually happens. It took place with our first parents, Adam and Eve. Back in Genesis 3, after Adam and Eve gave into temptation, we read that they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden and they hid themselves. God called to Adam, attempting to draw him near to him, so that he would give an account and confess his sin, asking, have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And what did Adam say? The woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. And not only Adam, but then Eve, she also followed in his footsteps. In verse 12, it continues saying, Then the Lord said to the woman, What is this that you have done? Then the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Now, James prohibits believers from accusing God of tempting believers to sin. And he bases this on two reasons. First, he says, God cannot be tempted by evil. You see that there in verse 13. In other words, God is completely, absolutely holy. One way to understand God's holiness is that He is absolutely pure and sinless. He is against evil. There are no areas of weakness that would lead Him to give in to sin. And because God is holy... Everything that he does is holy, is true, and is good. So James says that we shouldn't and we must not blame God because God cannot be tempted by evil. But the second reason that James gives us is that as one who is holy, God does not tempt anyone. It would be inconsistent with, with God's character for him to do so. So we must not blame God for the temptations that we experience. And if God is not the source of sin, then where does it come from? Well, James says instead of don't accuse God, instead recognize that it that it comes from within man. It comes from within us. If you see there in verse 14, James says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Instead of seeking to blame God or looking outside of ourselves for the culprit, we must stop and realize that the source of temptation is actually found within us. This is an important truth to understand because our culture would have us believe otherwise. Just last week, I was having a conversation with someone, and he was telling me about his beliefs. He was saying, Oscar, I believe in God. I love God. What I don't like is people telling me that I am a sinner, that there is sin within me, that there is sin in my heart, because I don't. I love my wife. I love my kids. Of course, I mess up sometimes, and other times I drop the ball here and there, but I'm a good person. It's my circumstances that make me respond the way that I do. Well, James says that this is not so. And the Bible tells us that temptations come from within. For example, in Luke 6, 43-45, Jesus teaches us about A tree and its fruit and he says that good trees bear good fruit while bad trees bear bad fruit similarly the mouth speaks out of the abundance of one's heart so whatever is in here is gonna come out through your words or in mark 721 he says something similar again. He, he says, From within, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. So we see that the source is our heart. It comes from within. And both of these passages teach us where to find the source of temptation. It's in our heart's desire. Desire is a word that can also mean lust or craving. These were initially designed by God to be good. Desires are are God's design intended for our good. But now, due to sin, our desires have been distorted. For example, hunger is a good desire. It helps our body know that it needs fuel. But if I let my hunger lead me to steal food, then I have sinned. It's also important to know that temptation in and of itself is not a sin. It is only when, a, uh, it's only when we act on our temptation that we sin. For instance, if you're, if you're a guy, you may be in your car waiting at a red light, and you might see a woman waiting to cross the street. The thought may come to mind, wow, and the temptation to lust after her may present itself. In that moment, you must make a decision. You either give in to your thoughts about her and sin against God and her, or you stop and you turn to Christ, remembering that your thoughts and your mind are to be holy as He is holy. Doing so will keep you from going down the path that leads to sin. Now, this is just an example but we have to remember that men and women are both tempted. And in some ways, uh, our temptations differ. But the common denominator in our temptations is that when we give in to them, we sin against God. So James wants us to know that in order to respond to temptation, we must recognize its source. And God is never to be blamed Instead, we must remember that it comes from our own sinful desires, which is in our heart. Now, the second way that we're to respond to temptation is by remembering its nature. Remember, uh, respond to temptation by recognizing its nature. First, we must know that our sinful desires are deceptive. Continuing in verse 14, James says that each person is carried away and enticed by his own lust. The description that James uses is one that comes from fishing. Think of a fish being seduced by bait that sits on a hook. The fish may think that it's found its meal for the day, but in reality, all it takes is one bite and it's hooked. Next thing you know, The fish is being carried away, and now it has become the meal. This is the nature of temptation. It holds out something that appeals to your sinful desires, offering you satisfaction in things that God does not approve of. It makes you believe that you need this particular thing in addition to or even more than Christ himself, because only then, it says... Will you truly be happy or truly satisfied? Though it may appear satisfying and good, it's a trap. It will hook you and then it will drag you to destruction. Because there is indwelling sin in our heart, our spiritual vision can be distorted as well. It can make it hard for us to see temptations for what they really are. In addition to this, we've seen that our heart has sinful desires, so our emotions are also involved, and many times they are not trustworthy. This is why we are not to live by what we feel, and instead we're called to live by faith, trusting God's word, which is truth. Again, a few weeks ago, I was driving to work and it actually might have been when I was driving to talk to my patient, but I realized that when I got in the car, the empty gas tank light was on and I thought to myself, I'm not going that far, I feel that I can make it. As I continued driving, I continuously checked the light. And once I got on the freeway, still about 10 miles away, I told myself, "I believe I'll make it." When all of a sudden, that light started blinking. I didn't even know I did that. It started blinking. And then I said, "Uh-oh. I don't think I'm going to make it." This reminded me Yeah, this reminded me that it didn't matter how I felt. The truth of the matter was that my car was telling me that I was on empty. And unless I stopped to fill it up, I was going to be walking to my destination. In this example, God's word can be compared to the flashing light, which is reliable. Temptation may deceive you into making you feel like you know what you're doing. But we need to follow God's word. We need to trust and have faith in what God has said, no matter how we feel. So we must remember that our sinful desires are deceptive. The second thing we must know about temptation's nature is that giving into our sinful desire gives birth to sin. And you see that in verse 15. James switches from, the metaphor from fishing to a woman giving birth. He says, then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to to sin. The point that James is making here is he wants to show us what happens when desire is lured and enticed. He tells us that sin is a direct result of giving in to our temptation. This is not the way that many of us think about sin. We usually believe that giving in to sin won't hurt anyone. Nothing bad will happen. I've done it before, and everything is still okay. But you have to be careful. James paints a picture of desire and sin as having the ability to conceive and to give birth. What begins as a small seed will grow up to become a destructive force in your life. In other words, sin always has consequences. So how are we to respond to temptation then? Well, first, we are to recognize its source. Second, we are to recognize its nature. And last, we are to recognize its end. James tells us clearly that the end result of sin is death. Verse 15 continues saying, Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. No matter how small it is, sin will grow and its end is death. Back in the Garden of Eden, God prohibited Adam and Eve from eating from the tree of knowledge. he he warned them that the consequence for disobeying him would be death. And we know what happened. From the moment they took a bite, they died spiritually. In that moment, sin created a separation between them and God. It took place instantly, and physical death followed thereafter. James wants us to know that this is still true today. When you give in to your temptation and you sin, it will get in between you and God. After you sin, you don't have the desire to commune with God and to pray or to meet with other saints. We have the temptation to respond like Adam and Eve, which is to hide and to cover ourselves and to drift off into the darkness. Because shame kicks in, and guilt. This is what sin does. But more importantly than this, sin is offensive to a holy God. The very God who has given of himself to seek and to save us. And if, it is, if sin is allowed to continue and you are unrepentant, it will lead to eternal death physical death in a real place called hell now notice the contrast here with verse 12 death um, verse 12 says blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life death is the result of giving into temptation the crown of life is a reward for those who stand the test Two real outcomes Two real destinations One path leads to eternal life The other promises instant gratification Saying it won't hurt It'll be okay God, uh, he, he doesn't care It's not that big of a deal but if you go down that path, it will lead to death. And if this is you today, if you've taken the bait willingly or you've fallen into it, it's not too late. Acknowledge your sin. Repent and turn to Christ. Turn from your, from your sin. Don't get comfortable in it. Run. Run leave it, abandon it, and turn to Christ and He will extend His mercy and His grace now if you're visiting us today and you know yourself not to be a Christian, we're glad that you can join us but I wonder what you think about temptation and your sinful desires do you attribute it to your environment or do you own up to it and see your need to be forgiven for your offense against God. God has shown us what He thinks about sin. He abhors it, and it will not be overlooked. You see, when we look at the cross, we see that God has poured out His wrath on His Son. And His Son, Jesus, willingly gave Himself, taking the punishment for our sins on himself. And now God calls you to turn from your sin and to place your trust in Christ because Jesus is the only one who can save. This Jesus is one who was tempted in every way yet did not sin. He was tempted, as one has said, not to see if he would break, but to show that he is stronger than temptation and even death itself. Jesus conquered temptation for every time that we have fallen short. He gave his life to pay for our sins and three days later rose up from the grave showing that his sacrifice was sufficient. And now he calls you to turn from your sinful desires and to turn to him. that he would give you a new heart with new desires desires to know him desires to obey him desires to love him which cannot come from yourself it can only come from him so friend turn from the path of sin which leads to death and turn to him if you have any questions about this please feel free to reach out to myself jer David, or whoever you came with, and we'd love to tell you more about the free gift of salvation in Christ. Now, in conclusion, I want to wrap up with some practical ways to fight temptation. First, know yourself. Be honest with yourself and identify the kinds of sinful baits that catch your attention. Is it the desire to have money? Maybe it's the desire to have a certain appearance or to look a certain way. Maybe it's sex. Maybe it's shopping. Maybe it's comfort. Ask yourself, what are you not getting that you really desire? Or maybe, what are you getting that you don't desire. What does your heart turn to in those moments? Analyze your life and make note of these things so that you would be prepared for the temptations that may show up. Now that you know that the source is within you and that your heart is the issue, pay attention to what goes on in your heart when you are tempted because it'll be very revealing. Second, Know the kinds of situations that make it easy for you to be tempted. Pay attention to the times and the places where you are tempted generally. Maybe you're tempted to crave acceptance and respect around certain people. Maybe certain places tempt you more than others. Are you tempted more at night than in the day? I personally experience more temptation at the end of the day once my workday is over. After a busy day, I want to be comfortable. I don't want to be interrupted. I want me time. So when I'm tired, I'm more susceptible to getting impatient or angry with my family. So know your circumstances or the situations. Third, Don't keep your sin hidden. Don't hide it. You know, keeping sin in the dark is the best place for it to grow. Don't do that. While it uh, it might be terrifying to share your sin to others, lean into the gospel, meditate on it long and hard, and enjoy the freedom that it offers you. Growing in your understanding of the gospel will enable you to remember your position in Christ as one whose sin has been atoned for. And now there is no condemnation for you. There is full acceptance for you as a child of God. I encourage you to find another Christian or more than one Christian and ask them to help you pray and keep you accountable if you're a single Uh, Find others of the same sex and share your sins openly, not to boast or to brag about them, but for help, for accountability so that you would hate it and turn from it and put it to death. If you're married, seek your spouse and or others in the church, but don't keep it in the dark. You know, one of the beauties of God's design in the local church is that God has given us A safe place for us to talk about sin to confess sin to be encouraged and to receive help and to have hope so why wouldn't we want to expose ourselves to receive help through the local church where God's Spirit is at work building us up cleansing us making us holy don't try to do it on your own use the gifts of God to help you fight and overcome sin Fourth, don't give up. Remember that God is faithful. If you find yourself in sin, God says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're in Christ, nothing can separate you from His love. The gospel reminds us that it is God who drew near to you when you were dead in your sins, and he gave you life. Now, if God showed you his love while you were a sinner, while you were still his enemy, how much more will God now care for you now that you have been reconciled to him? Change will often will sometimes happen instantly. Other times It will take time. But don't give up. Continue fighting against your temptations and let the goodness of God motivate you to continue fighting against it. I pray that you would take what you know to fight against temptation and that you would take your response to temptation seriously because remember, it is a matter of life and death. So when you find yourself being tempted, recognize its source. Don't accuse God. Instead, check yourself and remember that temptation comes from your own evil desires. Then recognize its nature. Remember that our desires are deceptive. So be on guard. Remember that giving in to them will always lead to sin. And finally, recognize its end if you continue down the path of sin, it will lead to death. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you because you don't treat us according to our sins. You treat us better than we deserve. And we thank you because despite our sins and how we fall short. You continue to extend your mercy and your grace. And by your spirit and your word, you continue to mature us and to make us to be more like Christ. Lord, we confess that we oftentimes don't take temptation and sin as seriously as we should. But Lord, we ask that you would please help us to have an urgency in our hearts to fight against sin to not take it lightly but that we would give of ourselves all of our strength Lord to loving you and that loving you would look like fighting against temptation because we don't want to offend you we don't want to sin against you Lord we thank you that you will fulfill your promise and that you will fulfill and complete the good work that you've started in us at the day of Christ Jesus and so Lord please Help us to be steadfast, help us to continue fighting, trusting in Christ and what He's done for us. We thank you, Lord, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.